Want a fresh take on what's going on with the Saints, LSU, the betting world, and the NFL? Then you've picked the right place. Jim Derry has plenty of datitude, and he's ready to tell you the way it is. Well, the way he thinks it is. Where you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends around the country who are doing their best to hide from their spouses how much money they've already bet on the Super Bowl. Hello, I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the Times-Picayune, the advocate at bet.nola.com, and this is Datitude, episode number 55. For a Friday, February the 11th, 2022. And, um, yeah. I don't know if you're like me or not, but uh, going through that prop list. Oh, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. Now, granted, I did a lot of pre-work before I started even going through them. And I like, you know, you you have to ha- have to know how the game's going to go in your mind, right? Before you can start betting all these props. But... One thing about this, these apps, and I love the apps. I love the fact that we can sit in our, on our couch or in our recliner or watch a game, and we know how it's going to go, and we can go bet it live if we want. But you got to be careful, boys and girls. It is so easy. They make it so easy. They make it so easy on purpose. I mean, who are we kidding? The easier it is, the more money they make. Let's don't kid ourselves. So be careful out there. I am very happy and proud that Caesar Sportsbook is an official odds partner of bet.noah.com. But I'll tell anyone that uses Caesars or FanDuel or DraftKings or WinBet now is, is now in Louisiana, be careful. Be responsible. Take it from someone who wasn't always responsible. And yeah, it's a, it's okay to go a little a little little hog wild. Well, not hog wild, but let's call it uh, you know dog wild. Whatever. It's okay to have a little fun with the Super Bowl, but don't bet more than you can afford to lose, because you have to make every bet. And I'm serious about this. You have to make every bet assuming you're going to lose. If you win, it's land yap. It's great. But uh, you have to bet it, assuming you're going to lose. You know, even, you know, the, the pros don't think that way, but you're not a pro. And neither am I. I'm a pro at writing about betting, but that doesn't mean I'm a pro at betting, which means that I probably know a little bit more about you. I spend more time than most of you going through each game because that's what I do for a living. And I'm still not 55%, which is basically what you got to be. You got to be 53 to 54% to be, if you want to be a pro better, you got to be really 54 to 55%. And I just went through a year of NFL picks. Now, granted, the pros aren't betting every game. But uh, I just went through a full season where I was 10 games over 500. Right just shy of 52% against the spread. I would think I was 65% straight up. That's not going to win me a lot of money. In the long run, that's going to 52% you're going to lose money because you got to pay the juice. 
unless you make the right bets. That's what we're here for to try to help you with at bet.nola.com. And to some degree on this podcast, but obviously on this podcast we've spent more time talking about the Saints than anything else, and we will today, actually. I'm happy to have Mike Dettelier coming on very shortly. This is going to be a longer podcast than usual. Mike um, always has great insight. He's been on the, this is the third time he's on the show. And um, I, I can't, I mean, we just keep talking because he's got so many great things to say. And so, and then we have to have uh, D Squared and Uncle Big Nick on. They run a little over 20 minutes. In fact, I'm looking at the time on them. It just so happens to be they're almost exactly the same, right at 23 minutes for each of them. So it's going to be a long show. Feel free to skip around if you like. Um, With D Squared, we talk about the game, the spread, uh, who we like in the game uh, per se. And then Uncle Big Nick and I get into our favorite prop bets. And both of us have spent plenty of time looking through and listening to people that we respect. So we've spent a lot of time with our prop bets and the ones we like. So we each give you our three best and maybe an insight onto how we went through and bet our prop bets that maybe will help you if you haven't bet yours yet or you might want to add one or two. Now, yeah, I will give you a spoiler alert. If you like the Bengals, then if you think the Bengals are going to win there's a good chance you might not like our prop bets. But like I've said on Bayou Bets and uh, the show, and I think I said it on Datitude earlier in the week, and we had Adam Chernoff from Coverage.com on, and if you haven't listened to that show, you should go back and listen to it because that dude knows what he's talking about. And so even if, I mean, he doesn't really give you a whole bunch of, uh, you know, tips on who to bet this weekend, but he gives you, a great thought process on how to bet. And to me, that's where I have improved over the past couple years, is learning how to bet. It's not so much what you bet, it's how to bet. And I'm not just talking about being responsible. I'm, le- I'm learning the ins and outs of what everything means, the why the money makes sense when you do certain things. And uh, I'll just give you an example. Like, I'm still... I am just in the infancy of learning how to bet golf. Uncle Big Nick is fantastic at it. But I enjoy betting on golf. I'm just not very good at it because I don't understand it 100% yet. So I'm just kind of doing it for fun right now. But I know when I figure it out, like Uncle Big Nick's found out, figured it out, I'm going to make money on it. But for right now, I'm I'm not betting a lot on it because I don't understand. I'm betting too much on different players to win at big odds, and, yeah, you hit one of those every now and then, but you're going to lose in the long run. So that's what we talk about. And, again, go back to Adam on Tuesday if you haven't listened to that. Outstanding. He's right. He's after Trey Wingo. So even if you listen to the show, you listen to Trey Wingo and you didn't listen to Adam, go back and listen to Adam. It's worth it. Again, today we're going to talk a lot about – Mike and I are going to talk about uh, Dennis Allen, Alvin Kamara, Sean Payton. We, that's where we start off with Sean Payton. In the thought process, and I and I give props to Mike because he told me a few months ago, and that's where I get right into it with him. When I thought Sean Payton could be here for ten more years if he wanted to, get to he was like, "No." He said, "I don't, I don't think he's going to coach more than three or four years," and it wouldn't surprise him if it was less than that. And he gets into the reasons why, and he was spot on, so uh, as he usually is. So we'll hear from him in just a minute. Um, 
Next week, just a programming note, uh, next week we will have two shows again on Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday we will be recapping what happened in the Super Bowl. If there is any Saints news, we will talk to you about it. I'm not sure my guests are next week. Um, and then Friday, um, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to do next Friday. We'll have to figure out. I, I have something in my head, but I don't want to let it out of the bag yet uh, for episode number 57. I'm working on it. Um, and then we're going to take a little break from Mardi Gras. I take um, time off during Mardi Gras every year. And I'm excited because there is going to be a Mardi Gras this year. We didn't really have one last year. Not we really didn't. We didn't have one last year. So I'm a big Mardi Gras person. I'm in the crew of Endymion. Um, I might give you a little shout out to where I'm at. Maybe you can come holler at me. We'll see. Depends on what mood I'm in next Friday. And then, uh, again, we'll take a little break. We'll probably take off until middle to end of March. And then we'll be back uh, with our regular Tuesday, Friday shows. It's been fun. It's been a fun football season. It's been fun to get this podcast off the ground. And we are thrilled. Again, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at jderry at theadvocate.com. On Twitter, at Jim Derry Jr., um, also just a reminder to search because we are going to take a break. So you, you might not think about it. You might forget, make sure you subscribe to Datitude, whatever you get your podcast on every major platform, because when we take a break, you want to know when we come back, right? So make sure you subscribe. You will get the notification on when we come back from many hiatus. By the time we come back, it's going to start getting warm again. I like cold weather, but I'm a little tired of it. I'm ready for it to get in the upper 70s. That sun feels nice. All right, let's get to Mike Dettelier. Um Again, we talk about Saints. And my, I think my favorite part of the, of the interview with Mike coming up is we get into Joe Burrow and his thoughts on Joe Burrow and why he likes the Bengals in the Super Bowl and why we're all really rooting for the Bengals. I mean, look. We have money elsewhere, some of us. That doesn't mean I'm not rooting for Joe Burrow. Comeback player of the year. Jamar Chase, rookie of the year. That's, that's phenomenal. I mean, that's quite an accomplishment for those two guys. So we won't be rooting against them. We just hope our props hit, and then we won't care about the rest of it, right? But, uh, okay, let's get into it with Mike. Enough of this. Uh, a little warning. The first 10 minutes of, of our interview... Uh, my kids had been playing with my mic. That's what happens when you have your office in your den. Um, so my mic is a little loud for the first 10 or 12 minutes of the interview. It's not ridiculously, obnoxiously loud. But when I, by the time I realized that I turned it down, but it was a little, you know. So anyway, if it sounds a little funky the first 10, 12 minutes for me, uh, that is why. And also Mike had some internet issues uh, at different points again you might notice a hiccup here or there still worth listening to you'll get over it welcoming in again to the datitude podcast wwl is mike detillier and uh mike it's so great to have you on again uh and my first question to you is we don't have anything to talk about i know there's nothing going on around new orleans or, or the saints so we'll just have to figure it out okay yeah, uh, man, between uh new head coach at LSU, 
new head coach with the Saints. Uh, yeah, that's not much going on. And uh, I, I know this is just the start of things that, you know, will be in a very eventful uh, offseason before we get into the uh, fall of next year. I mean, of this year should be. I got to hand it to you. We talked about, I don't know, it was a month and a half, two months ago, and um, we were talking about Sean Payton. And I was yeah. saying, you know, he could coach, you know, he might coach this team maybe 10 more years. And you said, whoa, 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 whoa there. You said, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, I could see him maybe going three, four more years, but I don't think he's going to be a, a long-timer. And I don't know what you knew or felt or whatever behind the scenes, but you were obviously spot on with your feelings on how long Sean Payton would coach the Saints. Well, he had sort of made a few comments about not being a lifer. Uh, in this business. And so um, I, I get it. And look, 16 years is a long time uh, to coach anywhere in the NFL. Uh, that, that's an eternity, uh, to be honest with you. And so while it was a, a surprise, it wasn't a shock to me that he would decide to walk away. It's just, it's not surprising. And just some comments here and there sort of reminded me that, you know, I did, I was an engineer for 28 and a half years. And I knew when it was time. I, I, I just knew it uh, because I, toward the end, I could think about leaving and maybe doing something else. You could almost hear it in Sean's voice. And also, you, you're a little bit tired of, of all the events that have happened around you. And, and that occurs also that, you know, you, you sort of get tired uh, from dealing with a lot of events that are completely out of your control. And, and with him, it, you're dealing with COVID and with injuries and who knows what else behind the scenes. And so I heard a lot of that sort of thing in his voice which I heard in my voice back then. And you know it's time. You, you knew when it was time to leave. And, you know, for some people, you know, they, they have to continue to work because of finance. Right. Um, but, you know, if your finances are good and you have an opportunity to sort of move on, like, like Sean's going to do, and you have something else. And it was the same thing with me. I knew I could do something else. And now I got as many jobs as I did before. Uh, so it, you know, because you get bored, you know, um, you just get bored with, with certain things during the day and you need something to occupy your time. And so I get it with Sean and, and him leaving. And you know, listen, he's going to go to the television. How long that lasts remains to be seen. But the pressures of every week uh, aren't there. I mean, you just got to prepare uh, for your game and just do your job when you're there. Now, you're not going to master TV in one year. That, you know, that, that's something he's going to find out. Uh, we saw Drew Brees this year, uh, who I thought was good in pregame. Right. And maybe, but when he did games, he had to get used to that, you know, and it takes more than one year to do it. To watch what Tony Romo has done 
uh, to call games today and not have any experience doing it he's is remarkable. It. Yeah. How good he is at it, but he's the exception to the rule. Okay. And, and they always have those type people in this world, but he is the exception to the rule for most people. It takes a little while for you to kind of conjoin with who you're working with to have that music. Um, man, Dilberta used to always tell me that, that, you know, uh, uh, listen for the music between us, listen for the music. And at first I didn't understand what the hell he was talking about, <laughs> but I get it because, um, you know, people would say, man, I, I love to listen to you and, and buddy, man, it, you know, yo, yo, play off of one another. Well, and like with Bobby and I, it, it's similar to, uh, I know he's going to cut into my sentences. <laughs> I know he, what I got to say, but um, it, it, it's a certain sound that people like to hear. Bobby says, uh, I love listening to him on Monday night. He goes, wait, Hoss, one more, one more, one more, Hoss. <laughs> That's my favorite, you know, when, when Mike's yeah. about to ask a question to Coach um, Payton whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Zach and I had worked it out pretty good when <laughs> Zach was doing it. And Zach would text me, and he would always tell me, tell Bobby short question, because Zach was always like, you know, you know, the dog trainer, and he's the dog. <laughs> The, the, that dog doesn't listen to anybody else, but he will listen to you. Uh, <laughs> and so, especially the Cajun dog. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell him, hey, Bob, a short question. Okay, and, and Zach's, you know, he figured it out. He was like, man, we're going to continue to do this because he don't listen to me. Right. And he will. Uh, he said, I don't know, maybe you have the dog whistle. Uh, <laughs> you just sort of know how to handle all that. So, yeah, we work it out. But, you know, it's. Um, he, he's always got an extra question, and that, there is no short question. With no, him. there's no short question. You know, tell me, Mike, I got a short question, and you know, and I always kid him about. It. I said, "Hey, Bear, you're the only guy that can ask a question, answer it, uh, <laughs> read about, it, and debate yourself." You know, and he laughed. And Dennis Allen yesterday. And Dennis looked at me because Bob asked him a question. Then he sort of answers it. Then he reads something that he cut out of the newspaper. I said, Dennis, you almost caught the full bounty. Because most of the time, he just tried to debate himself about it. But you didn't get that point. He said, I could see during the press conference, every time he had to ask a question, I could see it in your face that he was ready. Right. So, yeah. It is what it is. I'm with it, and and that, I think that is part of sports talk. You want to um, you want to entertain and inform people, but I think if you just want to give out a statistic, they can get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Part of this is also being a little bit entertaining, and um, you know, having worked with Buddy all those years about stories, I knew. That was a key word or two. I could tell him, and it would set him off, and he would tell a story. That's the one thing him and Bobby have in common. I sort of know if if we get on something, and I know he's got a story, I can just tell him one word, and that's it. Jimmy sets off, and that's something gun. He'll run with that. I mean, you know, he's like a boat. He's trying to hit the tape 
before anybody else would. Well, you're right. It's 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 definitely as much entertainment because you don't want to listen to a show with people just talk monotone. Give, I mean, no matter even if they're giving great information, you definitely want to be entertained while you while you listen to a show. And you guys do that great, especially on Monday nights. And I, I love that uh, the Sean Payton show. Well, I guess it's going to be the Dennis Allen show now. But uh, you know, you guys do a great job with that for sure. I want to ask you: Do you think? This how well, how much do you think this past year took out of Sean Payton? I think a lot more than he would admit. I think a lot more than he would admit. I, I think it, it took a lot out of it. Uh, just because of again, you're dealing with COVID, you're dealing which every coach had to do, and you know, all of us have have had, you know, to deal with, but then dislocation of the franchise before the season even starts. So you're out on the road, you know, and then all the injuries. Uh, and even before the season starts, you're dealing with the Michael Thomas incident and just this host of injuries, the suspension, six games with David Anyamata. I think it took a lot out of him. It's a good question. And I think it probably was the final straw. I think it was the final straw that, you know, I think they do have some incidents that happen. And um, uh, I, I told you this comment off the air, like, like things happen to me in bundles, okay? And I think when you get those bundles start to happen, you sort of know when it's time uh, to move, move away. And I think it, it happened for Sean. I think he won't say it, but I think it's the reality. Mike Dettelier here on the Datitude podcast, and, uh, you know, Mike, I, I agree. And I, I think you could see it as the season went along that it kind of wore on him. Also, you know, and I hope this isn't the case, but I, I think sometimes coaches in his position also can kind of look at the future and say, you know, do I have a Super Bowl team here? Do I have a team that I think we can – go where we want to go in the next couple of years. Cause if not, maybe I need to jump off the train. I don't think the saints are in, in terrible shape, but I also don't think they're anywhere close to being back to where they were eight or 10 years ago, or maybe even three or four years ago. Yeah. And I think you're right about that. And at the most important position at exactly. quarterback that you don't have that trigger guy. Sean never went through a season without Drew Brees. That's right. You think about it, never went through it. And Drew could solve a lot of problems for you on the field, in the locker room. Uh, you know, Drew could do all that. And yet this season, it seemed uh, uneven at times, especially on offense, which had not been the case. And this year you won with defense and special teams. That, that's how you won this year. And, right. and and it was Kamara. He was your key guy. And so, yeah, it was much tougher uh, to, to rumble through that when you don't have the guy at the most important position. And you take a look, at, you know, because if you're just looking at the NFC as a whole, and, and I brought this up on Sports Talk the last few nights, Look at what's happened to the balance of the power in the AFC because of the young quarterbacks. If it's Patrick Mahomes, 
Josh Gallup, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Okay, that's five. Every one of them in the AFC. Uh, Mac Jones, I thought, played pretty well this year. As the rookie quarterback in the NFL, it's the tough position uh, to play. But I thought, overall, he did a really nice job uh, for uh, the Patriots. I don't know what's going to happen in Las Vegas with Derek Carr, but I think he's a pretty doggone good quarterback, too. Flip it to the NFC. And let me throw, throw this out to Trevor Lawrence. Uh, right. Now, he's got a bad team around him. But, but Doug Peterson coming into Jacksonville, I think, will really help Trevor Lawrence's maturation as a quarterback in the NFL. All AFC teams, look at the NFC. Okay, you got Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and I'm not sure he wants to be there. And he could be traded to an AFC team like Denver. Uh, Matt Stafford with the Rams, both those quarterbacks are in their mid to later 30s. Name me another top quarterback there in, in the NFC. Okay, you, you know, you might say, well, you know, Matt Ryan, but Matt Ryan's on the backside of 35 years old uh, with the Falcons, and he doesn't have a great team built around him either. It, when you look at the NFC, you are seeing a dramatic overhaul of what has won for them because they, okay, Brady retires, Breeze retires. Uh, you have a lot of maybes and a lot of guys that aren't going to make it that were high-round picks in the NFC. The AFC has done a much, much better job, much, much better job than the NFC in acquiring quarterbacks via the draft. And it's going to make a dramatic difference in the next 10 to 12 years because those five or six quarterbacks we talked about in the AFC, they're going to be beating up one another to get the big game. And, and, and who's going to be the guy in the NFC? So it, it is really a change. So for Sean, it might, if you looked at it the other way, his avenue to get to the Super Bowl may have been easier now than it's ever been, but he didn't have the quarterback. And we, and we don't know who's going to be here. So, I mean, that makes things even harder. So uh, going forward, uh, and Dennis Allen now comes in, and he's in a position, Mike, where I don't think we know what's going to – I mean, obviously they're going to try to find a quarterback, but how do you try to find a quarterback? There's free agency, there's a trade. There's no, like you said, this is not a strong draft class of quarterbacks. Um, we saw Ian Book is nowhere near ready. So it's it's kind of a con- not kind of it's it's obviously a very concerning situation the Saints find themselves in. Yeah, and um, yesterday when I questioned him about his philosophy on quarterbacks, you know, he made the comment, "Hey, listen, the NFL has been built on having the quarterback and influencing the quarterback defensively, either through pressure or coverage." Uh, so. I was glad to hear him say that because, you know, I don't know what Dennis's real philosophy is uh, at the most important position, uh, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see how this kind of wheels around. 
And how much interest out there for, say, a Jameis Winston, how, how much interest is there going to be NFL-wise? Because this is a supply and demand league where you don't have enough. And he may get, he's going to get a lot more interest than he's gotten maybe a couple years ago when he came to New Orleans. He's going to get a lot more interest despite sure. the fact that he's knee injured. Um, I think Teddy Bridgewater is also a guy I would not rule out because of the fact that you have some familiarity. His consistency level is going to be the same. Now, he doesn't have a super high ceiling, and you know what? He's, he's not going to give you all these uh, roller coaster moments. It's, it's going to be at an even pace. Would you think about, okay, for one year, let's get a bridge quarterback. Let's get a bridge guy that can take us. Because to be honest, if Teddy Bridgewater's quarterback in the Saints in 2021, you're a double-digit winning team. No, you win no question. No question. Uh, but, you know, it, you know, in Denver, you can see they're going to move in a different direction. Uh, they they wanted it to work out with Drew Locke, who is immensely gifted, but he's so inconsistent uh, as a player. And I, I really believe that they are going to do everything they can to try to get Aaron Rodgers uh, from Green Bay. Now, can they pry that, that loose? Uh, we'll see because, um, you know, if I'm Green Bay, I take a look at that backup quarterback and I saw him play in that one game Rodgers missed. Do I, am I going to ride the boat with him? Uh, and, again, he's some issues. And so uh, of picking out the right receivers to get the football to downfield. So, I, but I do think something's there between Rodgers and Denver. I, I really do. And for the Saints, I think the biggest disappointment this year offensively um, yeah, the injuries occurred, but it was the play up front along the offensive line. Uh, you had all these accumulated early picks, and the production wasn't there, and you had a ton of injuries that also affected that line dramatically. And this is why you can see – I would not be surprised. That's where you're going to see some changes made from the coaching staff. And a guy like Doug Marone coming in uh, to be your offensive line coach. Uh, and so, you know, Doug's got a lot of experience as an offensive line coach, was here before. Technically, because he would laugh, him and, him and Abraham are good partners because they played together at Atlanta. And he was like, yeah, technically I had the job as offensive coordinator, but I wasn't calling no plays. <laughs> Sean was calling the play, uh, but he said it was a nice title. Uh, and, you know, and, and Doug had success uh, for a while as a head coach and then got fired. And then last year was uh, at University of Alabama. So bringing Doug in, I think, will help the offensive line. But I, I think you're going to see some changes here Pete Carmichael. Uh, on this coach. Pete Carmichael. I, I don't think is going to be the coordinator. I think Pete will stay on the staff. But I think Dennis is going to bring in his own offensive coordinator. I think Pete Carmichael stays. Um, you know, Pete's a guy kind of behind the scenes that he always thought was a, a great bridge between Sean Payton and Drew Brees. 
you had two real strong personalities here that wanted to their own way. And you needed somebody to kind of soothe the feelings. And I thought that Drew, uh, you know, he wanted things done a certain way. Sean wanted things done a certain way. Carmichael was the calmer part of everything. And he was an extra set of eyes for Drew. Come on, you're not coaching Drew Brees. You know, you can be the quarterback. (laughs) What are you going to coach him to do? Now, what you have is another set of eyes to see something that you can bring up to him and say, hey, this is what they're doing in certain down and distance situations. I'm seeing it. And and Drew was smart enough that he, he would listen to Pete Carmichael. So I think Pete stays, but in a different capacity. Uh, he's not going to be – I would be surprised if he stayed as offensive coordinator. Tell me what you think of Dennis Allen, and obviously we don't know anything from his first stint as a head coach. I mean, that, to me, it, that was a lifetime ago. That Raiders team was nothing like this Raiders team is now, which is much better, obviously. It's a, it's a better franchise than it was 10 years ago. Um, a, what do you think Dennis Allen learned from his coach head, head coach and stint? And B, now that he's 49 years old, which is kind of really like a prime age for a coach. I mean, what has he learned under Sean Payton, do you think? And uh, are you excited about the future for Dennis Allen? I think he's the right guy for the job. One, he he's had great success with this defense in a league that is all about putting points on the board. And you gave up the least amount of points in the NFC this past year and the fourth least amount in the NFL. Did you have some bad games? Yeah. Uh, The Giants game, uh, not good. The Eagles game, you couldn't stop the read option. Giving up the big play late against Atlanta. Uh, But, man, okay, that's about three occasions the rest of the time, their defense really played well. And you, you're not going to have those 85, 86 Bears defenses anymore in the NFL. Right. And, but, but people think that, you know, it's always going to be like that. No, the league is built on you putting points on the board. And you're going to have games where you do give up a lot. You think about the game he was the head coach. That was a 9 nothing game. To That's Tom on the road, okay. Uh, uh, that's you can't even explain that one. And so, I think he's done a really good job. That the guys respect him; they understand he knows what he's talking about, and he, he's. I think he relates well to the players. I think that's a key in college and pro football. You got to have a good relationship between your players. And then on the other part, um, the experience. You and I now in this business, they have people come out of college, they've went to school, they get their degree in journalism. Yeah. Uh, that's great, but you have no experience doing this. They're not giving you a top job at 22 years old. There, there's something about an ex, being experienced doing something that does matter. I don't care if you're engineering, if you're in the media world, if you're a lawyer, okay? You ain't Perry Mason when you walk out of law school, <laughs> all right? 
Well, you, you okay? You, it's just not. Uh, you, you occasionally, maybe in the acting business, you'll have someone who's very young, and you can see they have the it factor. But it's you and far between. There is something about experience, and sometimes it's a bad experience, and that's what he went through in Oakland. And you look at the coaches uh, that have had the same sort of bad experience. One is Lane Kiffin, okay? Uh, look at the success Lane has had at Ole Miss. Mike Shanahan, before, you know, he was the guy with the Broncos, he got fired by Al Davis in Oakland. And there's a long list of those guys that it just didn't work for in Oakland. And I think as Al Davis got him, because I think if you would have put up a Mount Rushmore of the most significant people in the NFL from 1960 until today, Al Davis is up on Mount Rushmore. There's no question. For what did to kind of breathe some life in the AFL, the success in the late 60s, 70s, 80s with the Raiders, and he he really changed pro football in a lot of lot of ways. But toward the end, Al had lost the fastball when it came down to personnel and also picking coaches. And he thought he could still do what he did in his 40s and 50s when he was in his 70s and 80s, and it, it just wasn't that way. So I think the experience of learning how it's not done right, right. it's just as important of what he's learned, Dennis Allen, in seeing Sean Payton do it the right way. And so you bridge that uh, particular part. Because we uh, I've been fortunate, I guess, I really haven't had what I would call is a bad job. Uh, but you you go through experiences with people that you say, man, uh, that, that's not how it's done. With the Raiders, I think he found out this is not how it's done. And people were always protective of Al, uh, of his image, of his reputation. Oh, he can't be Al Davis. It's got to be you. Well, you can't run through 15 coaches like that. That's right. Without it being partially you. And he picked them. Just like John Meekham back in, back in the day with the Saints. I mean, you know, we, we talked about it on the show, our last show. I read off the name of the 11, uh, the previous 10 head coaches. And how, the difference between 1967 and 1986 was – we had a new coach every two, three years, and people, you know, younger people don't realize that. And we've only, this is only the fifth Saints head coach since 1986, and the stability of Jim Mora and even Jim Hazlitt and then Sean Payton. I mean, people don't understand that. That's what we had here. You go through the Norse, the Fears, the, the Hefferleys, the, the Strams. I mean, all the, the, the instability in this organization. And with Tom Benson, there has been, and now Gail Benson, stability in this franchise. Yeah, I think the, the smartest thing um, Tom Benson did was hire Jim Finks. Yes, no question. Because Jim had all the experience. And, again, Jim would always talk about, man, I had bad experiences in places, but I know what's right and what's wrong. And Jim won in Minnesota. Jim won, you know, with the Cubs. With the Cubs? Jim won. 
Okay, he built those franchises. And then he comes in here, and after one middle-of-the-road season, you became a really good football team. And so with him and Mora together, because I think people don't, if you didn't live then, you didn't understand the impact of Fix, uh, his philosophy toward the team. And he was hard-headed, um, and he really caused free agency more than anybody. Had he paid Bear the money he wanted, which was a little over $1.1 million back then, and traded him to Oakland, Free agency would have happened, but probably 10 years later. And Finks would have been the commissioner of the NFL. But because he was so hard-headed and he had played this money monopoly already with Fran Tarkenton, with Joe Cap, Jim McMahon, that I think he said, man, ain't no Cajun from the buy. You're going to take me <laughs> of money. He found out he was dealing with a dude that he wasn't going to give up with it. Right. And it changed the NFL forever. But it was because of Jim's hard-headedness. But I really think he put his stamp on his franchise of that. If you've got a leader at the top, you got a guy that knows his business and can handle uh, the personnel part of the game, which that was Jim. But, man, I would want Jim to balance my checkbook. Man, Jim was a guy that was unbelievable uh, with money, and I get it. Because Tom, you know, I think that's some rewriting of history. When you put up that kind of money, you want that money coming back pretty quickly once you put it up for the franchise. I think part of that deal was, hey, hey Jim, just make sure, you know, I'm making money now with the franchise. Right. He was doing nothing more than what Tom Benson wanted him to do. Uh, as far as finances were concerned. And I think stability, that's what Jim Finks brought here. And, and you know, he had the right guy in Jim Moore. He, he really did. They, they needed a hard-ass coach that was going to put a lot of discipline. And I think at one time, probably with Houston, Bum was a, a hard guy to, to play for. But as Bum got older, he sort of lost that. As Bobby said, man, that Jim Moore never lost that. He was a hard-ass coach. If it was with the he Saints coach, it didn't matter. Ninety six years old, still and is. Yeah. But I think Bum sort of be eased into retirement. That he did. He wasn't that hard-nosed coach anymore. And listen, I think to be a success, you got to be an SOB as a coach to deal in in this world. Uh, I think you got to treat people differently. It's a Jimmy Johnson line, but it's true. Uh, Jimmy was, why should I treat Troy Aikman the same as I do my backup running back? No, uh, you you want to in life maybe think that that is happening, but it is about your talents, that they treat you differently if you're more talented. Uh, and you, you better get over that real quickly. Uh, okay. and can, can, Dennis Allen be a, can Dennis Allen be a hard ass then? I think he can. I think he can be that type of guy. Because now you're dealing in a much bigger room, Jim. You're dealing in a much, much bigger room. Uh, you know, you were secondary coach. Now you're a coordinator. Okay, so you're dealing with half the team. Now you're dealing with everything. Uh, offense, defense, special teams. Right. And the problem of a player. 
if he's got problems at home, if there's something wrong with him physically, can he make it through the year without surgery? You're dealing with a lot of different issues as a head coach that you didn't have to deal with as a coordinator. <laughs> there is some unknown. But the fact that you did it before as a head coach, I think certainly helped you. I, it, it's not a negative. Uh, all I know is, and I'm not trying to compare, the greatest head coach in our lifetime in the NFL got fired, and that was Bill Belichick. Cleveland, that's right. He, he, he got fired. Uh, but I think the smartest thing, and Bill talks about it all the time, that, you know, you know, I was a defensive-oriented coach. I knew we could win with defense, but I needed the trigger guy. And, boy, he got the ultimate in sure. Brady. He, he got the ultimate guy there. And that, that I, we going right back to the issues on this team today. You got to fix up front along the offensive line, and hopefully you can get people healthy. Uh, and that's a big part of it. But that quarterback spot has got to be solved. But here's where Dennis Allen goes into, and we, we've gone a half an hour in this conversation and haven't talked about this, but – so Dennis Allen obviously has to find a quarterback. But now, this is, and obviously offensive line to me is priority number two. But now we go into a season where we don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. But your star player, your, your, your guy who basically became Drew Brees after Drew Brees left and was turning into that, Alvin Kamara, goes and gets himself into trouble in Las Vegas. And we don't know what the ramifications are going to be of this going forward. I mean, I don't think people realize the significance of what happened over there and how long he may not be playing football. Yeah. Ashawn, Amy uh, is a Odyssey legal insider, and she, she absolutely correct on Marshawn Lattimore that he would not have a suspension and that basically this would be settled. Uh, she was right about Deontay, that he would get the three-game suspension. And, you know, her, her big thing here is the minimum in the league is going to be six-game suspension with the possibility of this being a violent crime, maybe up to eight games. Mm -hmm. Where... She says, I don't know, because she said, I don't know where the legal part of it is, is that you got to understand where this happened. This happened in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nevada laws are really strict. They want you to come to Vegas and feel safe. Now, I've been to Vegas a few times. You can see a fight pretty quickly over there, but it does not escalate into much because, man, they got security run after you quickly. Uh, to, to break all that up. But the, the laws are set that if you commit that type of crime, you're going to pay a high price. That he's going to have to go out and find an attorney with some experience in the Nevada laws, and especially in Las Vegas, that could maneuver him through this kind of alligator water that he's in because the possibility of jail time is there for him. Very so, strong possibility. So, you know, that was her deal that, hey, listen, you got to go out, find your lawyer that has been experienced in Nevada 
with their laws that understand how the prosecution works and hopefully that this would be kind of plead down to a misdemeanor. That's going to cost him money financially. But if you get back to the football side of it, if you're talking about six to eight weeks, that's basically half a year. And what it does is it affects your thinking on draft days and also in free agency. You can't go half the year with what you got in the backfield. No you're going to have to go out and that uh, a piece that at least that guy can give you some of what Alvin Kamara brings to the table, at least some of it. And so, yeah, it, it's a long range of planning and looking at it, and we don't know every little detail of what has happened. We, we got a pretty good idea. But my thing about it is if you go into Vegas and you got security around you, why are you getting in a fight? Exactly. And, and he would have been, ever thought would have gotten involved because of the fact, uh, you know, he's, to me, he's sort of a chill guy. You know, you know, yep. he, he never has a bad day. You know, he's, he's always good with life. But you never know what sets you, someone off and when alcohol gets involved. You know, that, and, that can dramatically. And, and I don't know that, but I do know people who are like that, and it changes them dramatically when don't uh, or they aren't thinking correctly. Well, and that's so the thing, it, Mike. Mike, we don't know what was said to him or whatever, what was done. But if this video comes out and it's true that all the guy did was basically put his hand on him, and the next thing you know, there's punching by by four guys, and and Alvin punched a guy basically when he was unconscious three times. I mean, you look, Johnny Cochran better come back from the dead because you 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 ain't getting out of that without without some serious problems, in my opinion. I mean, I'm not I'm no lawyer, but th that that sounds like a big problem. Yeah, and that's why Amy was, okay, you sort of know it's going to cost you a lot financially. But what you want to stay out of is a situation where you get uh, jail time. And, I, so, and, and that's where <clears throat> being lawyered up or having the right lawyer certainly can help you yeah. uh, in, in this spot. But you also got to look at the state and where it happened <clears throat> they want to make it seem to the general public who hasn't been there that it is safe in Las Vegas. You can walk around. You're not going to get in trouble. Uh, there's not going to be things happening in front of you. And so it's a lot of issues that he's going to have to deal with. And pushing this back to March gives you a little bit of time now to get the right people in place. Uh, because I think the key here is avoiding jail time because you know it's going to cost you financially, and you know the league's going to come down hard on you because this is a violent crime of you no beating doubt. up someone. So, again, though, why do you have security with you if you're going to get involved with because, this? Because you know as well as I do, Mike, and when we're think back to when you were in your 20s, to me, you know, I was always told uh, uh, males don't mature until they're almost 30 years old, and I never believed it until I was well, like, I believe 
40 years old. And it's, it's absolutely true. And no matter how great a personality you have or how well you think you have life by the, the cojones, that let's, let's say, the, the, your, your mind is still a kid to me if you're a male until you're about 30 years old and stuff happens. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that 100%. So uh, th- this is certainly a serious legal issue uh, that he's got to deal with. And so you, you're dealing with that and think about Dennis Allen, you're dealing with that. And also the other star player didn't play a snap exactly. last year, Michael Thomas with the ankle injury and any sort of friction that may have happened between him and Sean, you have, cause he's more valuable to you than he is to anyone else. 100%. Uh, his production on the field says it all. And so you try to make amends here uh, with him, and you can't, you know, because they got people, oh, I'd cut him loose. I'd trade him. Okay? To who? Look, look at the salary cap ramp. Over $20 million, you would be saddled in dead money. Now, this team can't eat $20 million in dead money. But, you know, but you can't explain that to some people. You know, it's not like working – at a convenience store or, you know, if you, even in the lawyer business, well, I'll get rid of one lawyer, I'll bring in another. Uh, that, there's no ramifications for that. In the NFL, you sign a player long-term and you sign him to these contracts, then you stuck with it. You are stuck That's with right. that money. And so not only does he have the Camara issue, but also having to deal with the Michael Thomas situation where, um, you want Mike back on this football team because he is such a valuable piece. This stuff about next man up, and Bobby and I argue about that all the time. And I get it. He came. He comes from that school of well, you know, he's not there. The next guy take his place. And my thing about it is depends on who the next man is. Don't don't give exactly. me this next man up. The next not even in your zip code. That's right. But as sometimes it's hard for us to understand, or some of us that someone is better than us. We don't accept that really well. Um, and even, you know, some females I know don't accept it real well either. But it's much more prominent males, I will say that, that, oh, just bring in the next guy. Well, the next guy can't play like you can in the football world or the sports world. He's not as good as you. And Mike, it's I not think like you that just is go the out. other issue. So, yeah, Dennis has walked in. You, you, you can't just go out and say, okay, let me grab another Alvin Kamara off the street. Like, it's just that easy. It doesn't work that way. It's none. And, you know, that you know, we had people, oh, just cut him loose. Cut him loose. You just signed him to a major contract. Yeah. You know, uh, you know. Seven, seven, eight percent of, seven to eight percent of your salary cap. Yeah, and so you can't do that. You got to work through this, and that's the part of sports with a salary cap that I think a lot of people don't have a really good grasp of. Is you just can't cut them loose or trade them without you having some um, negativity ramifications wise financially, in which this team has done a good job of shuffling money. But you can't shuffle that much money. Okay, it's, it's, you can't shuffle that much. 
It's not like, like baseball where you can just no. you can just ship a guy off and you see these trades before the baseball trade deadline because you you're trying to shed yourself of millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't work that way in football. It and and really to a you know it sort of does in basketball to some extent, but football is a lot different. You can't just say okay we cut Michael Thomas and his salary goes away. It doesn't work that way. And, and you're right. That's what people don't understand more than anything. Not that you'd want to anyway, because in the grand scheme of things, Mike, I mean, what they've done with Michael Thomas is they want it to work. They want this to work. They want him to come back. They want him to be a significant part of this team. And with a healthy Mike Thomas, this is a different football team. Totally different football team with, with Michael Thomas. And, you know, if you can get Deontay back uh, healthy and with, you know, maybe some development of one of your younger players, now you do have to address that. And I think this offseason you're going to have to go out and get a veteran wide out and also draft one early. That's a negative with Sean. I think he kind of looked past that. The last three years, you've probably seen the biggest influx of young talent at wide receiver that we've ever seen in the National Football League. Yep. <laughs> and that's not going to stop. Um, and I still dealing, think Callaway can be that guy, though. I think Callaway is a good two or three receiver, but he's not a number one. Right. Um, and my thing about it is, look what's coming out of the college ranks. And in doing a lot of these camps, you know, like when you and I were growing up, the best athlete was playing either quarterback or running back. Yep. Today, the best athlete wants to play receiver. Yep. It's a totally different world. The seven-on-seven seven changed the world completely. And now, you know, we do these pitch and catch camps uh, out at Nichols State in Thibodeau. And we might have 200 people there. And, you know, and so, okay, running backs, you go over here, and it's a small group. Tight ends, you go over here. It's a little bit larger group. Uh, if you got linemen, you know, they run into a little – don't get in front of the wide receiver group. You get run over. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, if you got 300 guys, 190 of the 300 are wideouts. So they understand that's the glamour spot. I think Sean sort of disregarded it to a big extent uh, that, you know, we can develop these other guys. And, all. and, and that was a negative. It was that one that he didn't look at that wide receiver and what was coming out of the college ranks in droves and will still come out in droves over the next, over our lifetime. That's going to be the spot. Uh, and guys that can come in and help you quickly. This stuff about it takes three years for a wide receiver to develop. I never believed that years ago, and I certainly don't today. My thing is, explain me that. It, look what Justin Jefferson's doing uh, with the Vikings, look what Jamar, Jamar Chase is doing yeah. with Bengals. Come on, uh, you can fling that to the fans and media who want to buy that, but that's not accurate. That's not an accurate statement, but it's kind of a hand-me-down statement from years past to cover up a draft mistake you probably right. made. There's and no question. So I think you can get in this draft class, I think it's the thickest group, even though I, this is a meat and potato draft, a lot of offensive, defensive line in this draft class, the thickest group is wide receiver. I mean, they got a ton of them again, and that that's never going to change. I think 
from now for the next 20 years at least, that position will have more talent, more depth than any other time in the history of the National Football League. I think it works at, at just about every level too. I mean, I, I spend my Friday nights in the fall watching high, uh, you know, broadcasting high school football, and it's the same way in high school. Even in high school, you might not have great quarterbacks, but the kids still want to be high school receivers. And if you go back to Jamar Chase playing high school f- football, as good as Chase Forcade was, he still only, you know, he catch late, go for like 600 yards in a season, which 600, 700 yards in a season, because that's not the kind of ball that they played at Rumble necessarily. So, and, but you could see the talent even then. And it's amazing to think that you had a Jamar Chase and a Christian Fulton on the same high school football team. Yeah, that's pretty damn strong. Uh, that's pretty strong to watch that. And to think, you know, like Justin. Um, yeah, Destrahan. He was at Destrahan. Yeah. That's right up the roof from where. And, and I knew academically right. And I had spoke to Coach O, and I was like, you got one scholarship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for Jefferson. Uh, he said uh, he's going to get his grades right. But, like, Nickel State, Southeastern, McNeese, I mean, everybody, they were just waiting in the wings just in case. Just that, in that, case. But uh, I, I give Ed a lot of credit. He saw him and saw what he could do, and that's not much. Justin couldn't do out on the football field. He was remarkable uh, as a player. Uh, but he was sort of late in the game to get his grades right. And he did finally uh, academically get out everything straight. And he's turned out to be just an unbelievable player for a guy that was, uh, depending on what had either a one or a star player. Uh, it's, again, though, uh, he, he was a star player on a big-time team at Destrahan. That, that team had a more than Justin Jefferson on that team, and he stood out. That goes to show how good of a player he was. There's no question about it. That Destrahan team, I think that was the team that lost to Landry Walker that went on, Keaton Thompson, and ended up scoring 50 points in every game in the playoffs. And even Destrahan's good defense couldn't stop that team. But, yeah, they lost in the semifinals, an outstanding team. And But Destrahan under Steve Robichaud was always – uh, a really good team. Uh, before they I were loaded. Go, yeah, they, they were. Always. Mike, I want to get your opinion on the Super Bowl. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of local interest and the Joe Burrow, and we talked about Jamar Chase. And, you know, on the other side, you got Andrew Whitworth, who this you got to think this is his last year, right? I mean, and, and Odell Beckham, there is so much local flavor in the Super Bowl, despite the fact that, that the Saints aren't in it, but it, it's going to be fun to watch and, and rooting for our, for our guys this weekend. Yeah, and I'm not betting against Joe. Um, you know, I've seen him in these spots before. Um, you know, he's the ultimate competitor. Uh, you look at what he was able to do at LSU and kind of turn the fortunes of that team around and then gave, gave you the greatest season that a college football team has ever had. When you look at the opponents, they defeated. And, you know, it was his will to win. And he is talented, uh, super talented. His accuracy skills, his toughness to hang in the pocket, his ability to put the ball in the right place. They got hands and arms all around the ball, and he gets it in there. But it's his will to win that it, it, it 
is separates him. And he started more fights at LSU. I, I bet as a quarterback in a two-year time frame, he set off there than the last 25 years of quarterbacks combined. He was the ultimate competitor. And I can't remember exactly which game it was, but this was during the national championship run. They run, you know, they hung half a hundred, hundred on a team. Right. And he they're bitching in the locker room afterwards that they didn't get off to a fast start. <laughs> now, Coach O didn't have to jump him. <laughs> Joe was doing that. Uh, so uh, it's he's a guy that you can pull for. And this room, that's team in Cincinnati has a lot of the same similarities to the early 80s 49ers team who had Montana. Now, they didn't have Jerry Rice. They, they didn't have John Taylor on that team. They didn't have Roger Craig. Uh, they did have Ronnie Lott was on that team, but they didn't have the Charles Haley's of the world's or the Romanowski's uh, and some of the other guys or Michael Carter's that you thought about. They had Bill Ring at running back. They had Freddie Solomon uh, at wide receiver. Uh, I remember Tree Young, Charles uh, Tree Young from USC. They got him from Philadelphia. Uh, and But it was Joe. Joe gave them confidence, and they ended up winning a Super Bowl in the Pontiac uh, Dome against uh, Cincinnati of all teams. Right. And you look, that wasn't a super talented team, but it was Joe. Yeah, it was Montana. I believe. I think that was 40 years ago. Yeah. And so you think about that team and compared to Cincinnati has a lot of similarities uh, between the two. Uh, now, I'm not saying Zach Taylor's Bill Walsh because I think <laughs> I go back and look, Bill is probably as significant a coach other than Belichick. You know, you look from 1980 on uh, and what he was able to do with the 49ers franchise and certainly Jimmy is Jimmy Johnson. What he did with Dallas also, but man, they got a lot of the same sort of similarities to it. And I knew no one thing. Joe Mixon's a hell of a lot better running back than Bill Rink. And Freddie Solomon, but, and Freddie was a good player. Jamar Chase is an unbelievable player. And, you know, they got T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, Their offensive line is Del Stinko. It's not good. But man. if, man, if you're able to give Joe time and you can run the football a little bit and slow down that pass rush of Aaron Donald and Von Miller, you got better than a fighting chance here. There is something self-destructive about this Rams team that we see it almost every week. They get into a low where they don't play well. You do that against the Bengals with the firepower they have, you could be in big trouble. So I'm, there's no way I would bet against Joe Burrow in this spot. He has been money in the bank every time you kind of say, well, it might end here for Joe. He shows you different. and But he's the ultimate competitor. And I, I told somebody coming out when he came out of college, you know, I, I don't like to – I won't compare people physically, but I would compare him a lot to Joe Montana. And, and that his will to win, his ability to make throws in between arms and hands, his mobility is, is – now, Joe had good ability. Yeah, uh, when he was younger, for sure. In Central, until Lennon Marshall kind of ended that. Uh, but uh, 
there's a lot of similarities between Montana and Burrow at almost the same part of their career. You know, it's interesting because you could see Burrow. I mean, if he wins the Heisman, the national championship in the Super Bowl in the matter of what, two years, three years. Uh, three years. I mean, that that's just insane. I mean, that doesn't, it's never happened before period. Never. The fact that it happened in three years is insane. So it is really hard not to root for Joe Burrow. And especially for Saints fans, because they don't like the Rams anyway. So uh, there's going to be a lot of, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I said, just, just bite, you know, just, just grit and get down and say who day instead of who dad for two weeks we can get over it, and then we can go back to saying who that after Sunday. Well, here's the other thing. We had Jimmy Burrow who got in the know throughout the time frame, and Jimmy, you know, was about motivation. He said, well, I never really had to motivate Joe a lot. <laughs> you know, right. it, it's sort of stoked up in him. And, and uh, Archie Manning has the best line. Yeah, Mike Ellis, you got two Asman Trophy winners, but their roots are in Mississippi. Billy Cannon's <laughs> roots was in Mississippi, and Joe Burrow's roots was in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, he he also would have done something very few people would have done. He changed the course of history for LSU and for Cincinnati. Yep. I mean, you think about Cincinnati. That there's a generation of people. Man, they they sorry. They're not yep. a good team. And he, in a short period of time, changed your thoughts on how good the Bengals are. Uh, it was the kind of quicksand position for LSU at quarterback. And how he changed that, that now quarterbacks are taking a much longer look at LSU uh, today than they ever did before. And he changed that, changed it dramatically. But, man, it's his will to win. He is super talented. But I've seen people, not only in the football world, in the sports world, but in other professions that are very talented, but it's the will that they don't have or they do have that takes them over the top. And it's that fire that burns in them, that nothing you do is quite good enough. That's right. Nothing you do is quite good enough. And you're always looking to climb the next tallest mountain. That's what I see in Joe Burrow. Come on, when you look at it, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen are more physically gifted players than Burrow. More physically gifted. But where Joe can compete and really compete well with them is yeah, I can throw the football as accurate as those two guys, even though I might not have the same arm, not have the same build, but I'm not giving up. You're going to have to kill me, basically, <laughs> to get me to, to stop doing it. There's, there's something in there about how he views success that's a little different than the normal athlete or the normal person out on the street. He, you know, winning the AFC championship game, okay, yeah, that was all great and fun, but there's still another game. He just kind of dismissed it. Yeah, we won. It's all great fun. We'll have fun for a little while. But, you know, it's not the ultimate. It's right. not the ultimate. Right. And, okay, we're talking about a 25-year-old guy here. 
And, and we talked about maturity. Look at his maturity. It was the same after he beat Georgia and then he beat Oklahoma. It, it, it was, was like, the same way. Yeah, we, that, this, this doesn't matter. You know, this isn't the national championship game. Uh, you know, I, I want to win it all. Yeah, it's great for y'all as fans uh, to win, you know, the SEC championship and to, to win in a Final Four game, but that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to win a championship, uh, and I'm yeah. talking about a national not an SEC championship. Right. I'm talking about y'all. Now, <clears throat> sometimes, and we see it now, business, they have people that gain a little bit of success, and it goes to their head. And they don't work as hard. Uh, they're not as detailed. They don't spend time like they may be used to studying their craft. They, they go out at night. Now they become, you know, they socialites. Clink the glass. Hey, and it's, it, that's nothing wrong with that. But my thing about it is that's not the guy, type of guy Joe Burrow is. Joe Burrow's the guy that is, man, okay, yeah, well, I got a little bit of success, but it's not a lot, and I'm going to show you how good I am, and I'm going to do it every year. I'm going to show you how good I am because he tasted a little bit of bad fortune at Ohio State. He wasn't the guy, okay? He came in. They had a veteran quarterback. Then, then he gets hurt, and Dwayne Haskins takes his spot, <clears throat> Look at the trajectory of Dwayne Haskins and look at Joe Burrow. Man, Dwayne Haskins, he's a huge man yes. with a strong arm. Yes. He can make every throw in the book. And, and with ease, he didn't have the desire and the push and the fire that Joe Burrow does. And that's that intangible. I think when you're looking at players, you wish you could have a better grasp at and sometimes you do, and a lot of times you don't. What pushes that individual, even with success, to become better? And some people have it and some people don't. We see it in our profession, in the journalist field. We, <clears throat> you know, I, I saw it engineering-wise, um, doctors, lawyers, you name it. That success, then they become addicted to a cell phone, uh, Facebook, yeah. TikTok, Twitter. You know, I want to be seen. I want to tell you my life story. And some of the best friends don't know what the hell's going on in their life. <laughs> oh, but I'm a private person. How can you be a private person when, <laughs> when you're you all over social media? On social media? That's my favorite. It's the one they tell you, like, but when they got Joe Burrow sniffles. doesn't do that. No, you don't see him on there very often. Uh, like, oh, yeah. We we only got a, a couple minutes left, but I do want to ask you because I never got a chance to um, your your thoughts on Brian Kelly and um, you know I, I I've seen Coach O a couple times the past few weeks and he looks like yep. he got the weight of the world taken off his shoulders. He looks like a happy man, and uh, so uh, but Brian Kelly I do like what he's done so far coming in, and he's obviously hit the ground running. Yeah, uh, I think with Coach. Um... You never know when it comes to an end for you. And I, I go back, I don't think LSU handled success from top to bottom, uh, from the top rank at LSU to Coach O to the players. Uh, I don't think they handled success very well. And then Ed didn't do a good job hiring assistant coaches to replace 
people that were really good at what they did. And if it was on defense to replace Dave Aranda uh, on offense, certainly uh, Joe Brady was not the chief play caller, but, you know, he developed the receivers. He helped with Insmega, who I think got really kind of the raw deal in this. Because I think Steve, for 2019, he's the most underrated individual of what happened in 2019. Uh, he was Joe Burrow's coach. It was not Joe Brady. Joe Brady worked with receivers. You keep telling people that, but they don't quite get it. Um, but I think it all came apart very quickly. Um, it's, I hate to use the term, but it's almost like the Rocky movie. You lost the eye of the tiger. It's going to be easy. We're going to come back. It's going to be easy. And it wasn't. And you were fighting for your life. And you just couldn't piece it together. And the swirl of the tornado of events uh, caught up with them. And I, I agree with you. I think Ed looks relieved today uh, of what's happened, even though I think he feels as though he let down Louisiana. He let down LSU. He maybe let down the Bayou that, you know, he gets this job. He has the great success. And then it comes apart so quickly. And I do think Ed will be on a TV near you yep. very quickly so to speak. I think that's his deal uh, in the future. Um, and, you know, he's six, he's going to be 61 and, you know, he's got a lot of money. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if he coached again, but I wouldn't be surprised that he also likes the TV part of things. He just needs something to occupy his time, uh, so to speak. But Brian Kelly's the grown up in the room. I mean, he's the guy, his word is law and he, I'm not bending it. And we all know there were a couple of players on this team that were talented. He opened the door for them and told them to get lost. I don't want you here. Uh, you got issues, and I don't want to deal with it. <clears throat> He's really done well in the transfer portal. Uh, I think roster management is going to be something you're going to hear a lot about from not only from Brian but from other uh, coaches in college football. The recruiting, I think you and I gathered that once you lose the head coach and assistants, which are to connect the dots to players and parents, you're not going to get those guys. And then the NIL deals, you know, that, that's another story. Yeah, but uh, I think Brian's done a really good, but he has put his stamp that you're going to do it my way or you can go somewhere else. And well, well, Mike, I know there are I, there are a couple I, recruits. They, there are a couple recruits I, that I know he backed off of because of he didn't. Th these recruits didn't necessarily fit the mold of I want to say personality. I guess well, they, they they obviously have talent. If you're if you're being recruited by LSU, you have a lot of talent. But there were a couple of recruits I know that Brian Kelly said we're backing off of these guys, and they're yep. I don't know if they fit into the LSU mold. And so that's that's totally different than maybe what we saw with Coach Miles or we saw with you know with, with Coach O, uh, that they felt, hey, young kid, you know, he's not mature. <clears throat> I can I can help that along the way. I think Brian's I, I don't want to deal with it. I, I don't want to deal with that. I, I got enough that's issues right. uh mess with. But you know, he's had success wherever he's been. He's always been known as a tough, hard-nosed coach, which I think now you see him dancing, you know, with recruits. And so that's another side of him. 
and I and I get that that plays uh, to a younger generation, but he's all business, Jim. He is all business. Have you heard a press conference right after the National Signing Day? We have heard it from Coach Saban, Coach Miles, Coach O. Every signing day, they would come out and talk to you about players. Did you hear that from Brian Kelly? You did not. You did not. <clears throat> hey, need to do it. That, that's your problem. I think his deal is I, you're not paying me $10 million to go do a press conference. Right. Okay. <clears throat> it might be great for media, might be great for the fans, but I'm doing what's best for Brian Kelly right. because ultimately it's me that's going to be the guy. Either I'm going to win it or I won't. And I think Brian is from a personality standpoint. Man, you're talking about you going from one guy to the and he's totally different from Miles and O to him uh, in that you may get occasionally, you know, him say something or do a press conference or talk to the media, but you're not going to have access. The, the people that say, oh, I, I always had access. Well, that access is closed. <laughs> That's a good thing, though. I mean – I think this team needs to kind of go in that direction. I mean, that's uh, you, you look at Nick Saban and why he's successful. And Nick Saban, you're not going to know what's going on inside closed doors. That's what worked for, for him. That's what has worked for him for, for 30 years. I mean, so I think maybe a big change is what's needed at LSU. I think the culture change is there, and you see it, that this is going to be about work, attention to detail, and I'm going to bring in my type player. It may not be a, as maybe the highly recruited player like he thought, but I, I did think he maneuvered around the transfer portal very, very well. And it's right. not over. It's not over with. Yeah, I agree. So that's a new sheriff in town, and you better get used to him. He's not with the old sheriff, and the older sheriff was, I hear a lot of Nick Saban in him. I hear I do sort of the same language and the same sort of attention to detail that was there when Nick was there. And I'm not trying to compare uh, because Nick's the greatest college football coach ever, but you do hear a lot of the same sort of rhetoric that you heard from Nick. You're hearing it with Brian Kelly. And he didn't come here to lose. He no, didn't come here it. to lose. And I, you know what? I don't think he's going to lose. I, I mean, I don't know that they have the talent uh, there to be where they were a few years ago in the near future, but I don't think it's going to take long. I think they'll be there soon. But the other thing, too, is it was always Alabama you were shooting right. against. Now you got Georgia. That's right. And now the West, you got Texas A&M. That's right. So now the field, instead of it just being Alabama, <clears throat> it has grown to Georgia and AM. Well, you know you got two heavyweights in Georgia and Alabama. And I don't think it'll take too long before AM becomes a similar type uh, battle uh, when you have to face them. So um, the field's opened up a little bit more. I, and I don't know how quickly Billy Napier can change it around in Gainesville. But that's potentially there, too. 
uh, that spot too. So, yeah, uh, it's a different SEC than what we've seen maybe the last 12 years. But, man, it's competitive. The best football in college football is played here. Great head coaches, assistant coaches, and the talent. But uh, Jimbo told me this last year. He's like, you know, this roster stuff that we're dealing with is going to be difficult on coaches. And you're going to have to play freshmen a lot more than you've ever had to play them. Because, okay, I recruited you. You're a four- or five-star recruit. I told you you can play early. If I don't play you, guess what? I'm going. That's right. I'm going somewhere. Uh, And so you're going to have to deal with that as a coach and as a school like never before. So it's all great to recruit the four- and five-star kid, not to keep him happy. Yeah. I mean, that that is certainly going to be a challenge. That is certainly going to be a challenge for the, for, the, for the next coaches all over the country, really. Not just LSU at Texas A&M and ASCC. I mean, even if you go to a Big Ten school or a Pac-12 school, if you're not playing right away, you can go find somewhere else that, that you think you'll play because it's, it's a lot easier to move around now than it certainly was. Mike Dettelier, I certainly appreciate you spending time with me. Um, always a pleasure to have you on, and you have – more insight than just about anybody down here, and uh, we love to hear what you have to say. Thanks so much, Jim. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Guests like Mike Dettelier have made this show semi-successful thus far. I would love to say successful, but I'm nowhere near where I want. This show is nowhere near where I want it to be yet. It's going to get there. But because of guys like Mike Dettelier and Jeff Duncan and you know, guys that have been on a couple times, Mike Triplett and the like, and Doug Mouton and all the other local, I think I've had almost every local sports anchor on at some point. Got to work on Sean Fazan, a um, couple other guys, Channel 6 guys, Channel 4 guys. Garland Gillen's been on a couple times. We started out with Stan Verrett of ESPN. Andrew Lopez was on in the beginning. The guests uh, have been that I've been able to get on this show have been beyond my expectations. Dale Brown, of course. Um, St. Charles coach Wayne Stein talking about all the things that happened to and how his team was able to persevere and win a state championship. Probably the best interview that we've had on this show. So it's been fun. Um, and as a football season comes to an end, you know, you start reflecting on those things. And um, I just can't st- stress how grateful I am for all the people that have agreed to come on the show, and a lot of them multiple times. So, again, of course, out of everybody, Mike Detelier and especially Jeff Duncan, who have helped make this show, I think, legitimate. And uh, the numbers are starting to bear it out, and we're doing better and better each week. Thanks to to Mike and everyone else. All right, let's move on to the fun part, right? Is that what we call it, the fun part? Oh, boy. We got D squared coming on first, and uh, the choo-choo train is still a-moving. Let's hear what 
he has to say about his thoughts on the picks and uh, about the weekend and what our picks might be for the game itself. And then we'll get to the prop bets with Uncle Big Nick after. All aboard! All aboard the Taysom train! Conductor Dave is on the Taysom train! Word is that someone uh, ran over a cinder block and it got shoved into the locomotive. And that engine block is really, it's got to go to the shop, might be in repairs for two to three years. You're, you're a journalist. Stop spreading lies, okay? I, I, I know for a fact <laughs> that he's somewhere did. on Radio Row. I think he's somewhere in Los Angeles on Radio Row. Smooth, it's more like a skid up row. Coach. Oh, my God. I hate your face. <laughs> D squared here on the Datitude podcast. I mean, it's our last one of the NFL football betting year. So I got to get every dig I can get in because, I mean, we got a little ways to go before USFL season starts. April, what, 29th or 22nd? Or something. Not like, soon they, enough, they, buddy. They're having some weird draft. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're doing. There's no. They're, like they're not even tipping their hand on what they're doing. Like I just hear rumors and vagaries that they're going to do some weird draft. Like a like you're in high school. It's like okay, I picked that guy. Uh, he's kind of tall. Yeah, I'll pick him. You know, he's got glasses. Screw that guy. No, no. I hear I hear Taysom Hill might be a first round draft pick. He, he might be. He probably will be. And then and then I'll have to end up you know driving out to Birmingham to watch all these sorry ass games. <laughs> well, speaking of which, you know, uh, we heard Dennis Allen talking about uh, in his opening press conference that as head coach of the New Orleans Saints, you know, his first priority is to find a quarterback. <laughs> he's talking about he's got one in the building. He, he just he forgot about him. You know, it, he it's forgot probably because Taysom Taysom never left the building. He's in there. I got this coach. He's just pumping iron, and and Dennis just didn't realize he was still in there when they turned off all the lights. It was an accident. That's all it is. Um, well, you know, he's going to need to find a third-string quarterback because we don't know if Alvin Kamara is going to be able to play that role anymore. Oh, dear God, man. I Look, I am such a homer that, like, when I saw that, I'm going, all right, There's what's no the way angle? That's true. Exactly, dude. That, I, like, I'm guilty of all the stuff I yell at college fans for, you know? <laughs> Just like, like, uh, no he, he stole those crab legs. No way, man. He stole <laughs> his crab kid. legs. So I'm sitting here trying to, you know, explain away what could have possibly happened that made me, Alvin was just getting up in the morning to go work out. You know, that, that makes sense in a weird with a, way. With an entourage? At five thirty in the afternoon, works out. No, it was like six o'clock in the morning when they. Oh, that's right. Five thirty in the morning at five thirty in the afternoon. Yeah, so I figured he was just waking up, but you know, like he's always been really close knit, doesn't let anybody in his circle. So I'm like, this got to be fake. And then apparently, yeah, he punched a dude while he was on the ground, unconscious. Oh, Oh God, I swear. Well, all we can hope for is that the guy who got his ass beat uh, wakes up one day with a whole basket full of cash and oh, pineapples, and he's going to be like, oh, I, I don't know. Maybe he did. It, I, I just remember him from TV. That's what it was. Yeah. I just, I, that's it. Wrong guy. It was some other guy. You oh, know, that happened. That happen. Wait, I'm going to say this. I mean, I don't wish any ill will on anyone, but, uh, you know, that those kinds of things happen way more than they should when you get a celebrity – Doing something that's he's well, not supposed to, he or she's not supposed to do, and 
the next thing you know, oh yeah, it's okay. I I, I don't well, need to press you know what's funny though is that I, I when I was you know reading up on the stories that this 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 bar is really a place where a lot of NFL players go, and so a lot of guys who think they can you know take an NFL player go there and they pick fights like this. And they get their ass beat, then they get a payday, and, and it's good. So it's like it's like getting the lottery. If you can take a couple of good punches and get the snot kicked out of you, that you'll probably know. get paid. Yep. You know? So you know um, I mean. th- it doesn't make it right, but, you know, yeah, I get it. But I, I, Probably is true. All right, let's, uh, let's move on from that. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think before we get to the, the one will get you 197 segment? Uh, <laughs> What do you think of uh, Dennis Allen hiring? Uh, now we know it's official. We don't have to worry about it anymore. Right. Uh, I mean, look, you know, honestly, I'd have been cool with anybody. I think that the Saints organization. Me? Uh, You'd have been cool with me as head coach? Sure. Why not? You know, they, they'd have had somebody be like, hey, dumbass, just read these numbers, okay? Here's your headset. Talk, <laughs> pretend like you're talking. Just say watermelon, 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 you know, for, for three hours during the game. And it'll really be some guy Bob up in the booth. But I, I, no matter who they'd have hired, if somebody younger or somebody with skins on the wall or whatever, uh, the organization itself is is in fairly good shape. Losing Coach Payton, you know, it hurts. But uh, you know, it, it, with Dennis Allen, most of the staff will stay. I saw we've had a couple of either defections or firings, but. Uh, even if we brought in a new staff, like a, like the enemy or somebody like that, which that was so weird, man. Like they kept posting everywhere. Eight hours, eight hours. It's really weird. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next day, you know, Hey, Dennis Allen, ta-da. But here's the thing with me though. I mean, I, you say I could go and they call me dumbass. I mean, I I get called dumbass enough at home. I'm not taking that job (laughs) if they're just going to yell at me and call me dumbass all day. Jim Derry, the paycheck is like three million a year. You want to rethink that, pal? Well, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, about, they call you dumbass for free. You actually have to pay I, for that honor with point, your family. That's about two point nine four five million more than I make right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I might let him call me dumbass. Zach Ewing calls me dumbass when I'm on the show every Thursday, except he just doesn't there say the go. words. Uh, and and you with the skins, be careful with the skin. We got to call them commanders now. Oh, I see what you did there. Cobra. <laughs> They're like, like I, I love my nerds, man. Like, as soon as it, the name came up, all of a sudden you've got uh, people photoshopping Cobra Commander from G.I. Joe with a red uniform on and, and a commander's Yeah, logo. I don't think that was a coincidence that they picked it like <laughs> that. I don't think it has anything to do with being in D.C. Commanders. Oh, we'll get all these geeks to follow us no i think they, they were trying to find the least offensive name but it's you still got dan snyder running the, the dump so you know good luck with that least but name. well i mean come on look at it look at the usfl you've already got like you know like the, the barn burners i mean it's not as awful as like the uh you know the the baby cakes or or the the trash pandas of the minor league baseball baby team, cakes but... is the worst name in the history of sports <laughs> yes i'm not is. exaggerating the worst name in the history of sports was the New Orleans baby cakes. <laughs> I mean, I and they had people. that scary-ass <laughs> baby that you got out of a they, – they stole it from Blaine Kern's Mardi Gras world, and it was like one of the interns did it and says, what do you think of this, Blaine? And I'm like, I just go stick it in the corner somewhere. And the baby cake said, hey, we'll use that. Well, use that's that. Gonna be use a, that. That's, that's going to be our new logo. That won't offend anybody <laughs> except the babies and the cakes. 
Right. All right. But we, we yeah, I, I, yeah, no. So, I, I mean, look, I, whoever they'd have picked, I think the Saints were going to be fine because they've got a good structure in place. Uh, so, you know, and, and Dennis Allen I, doesn't has never struck me as a yes man. And the other thing that I no. always kind of think about was uh, – I forgot what game it was, but when he just comes flying across the field and starts hugging Coach Payton, you know, like, because the dude gets into it. And, like, the defense had made some huge stop. And all I remember is just Dennis Allen running down the field and practically tackling Coach Payton, you know. So if he's got that kind of energy and he's fired up and he's not, you know, given the platitudes that you're required to do at a press conference, like, we're going to do what we do. We're awesome. Let's go. No, I, I want the fire on the sideline that I saw. And since I know he has it before he was even, you know, a, a whisper of a fart on their radar. Now he's just like he Dennis Allen because they beat the crap out of Tom Brady four times. May, there, there may be something to that, but well, Tom I mean, Brady's not a solid him. defense. I mean, come on, look, our secondary has always been so awful. And, you know, now here we are. Giants game. All right, man. Do what? Why? The Falcons. (laughs) Shut up. What about Eli Apple? Uh, Is he going to blow the Super Bowl for us? I don't know. Us? Who's us? Kimo Sabi. We day. We day. Who day? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can't even say that with a straight face. I can't either. It's so embarrassing. Oh, my God. I mean. Look, I know people probably who that. I mean, whatever. But at least I, I mean, who day? That's just dumb. Who day? Unless it's some weird ass northern dialect where, like, like okay, like who day? Maybe that's what it is. And we still <laughs> they don't get talk it. like that. It's the Midwest. It's not no, Minnesota. We're the, look, we're the idiots that say, "Hey, where you at, hot? Come on." So who that? Who that? Who day? You know I don't know who the hell they at. Where <laughs> they at? Who they at? Natalie over Joe and Mary any day. Get yourself a Leidenheimer poor boy heart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's original. Uh, anyway. Uh, where where, right. where, where are we? What are we doing here? Let's take the damn game. <laughs> I can't say that. <laughs> Even better. All right. That's the best way to end the season. <laughs> Getting you to curse. Oh, my God. I just Throwing you off that game. I got to go bleep that out now. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Uh, that you know, you're the only one that makes me do that. I don't do that with anyone else. I mean, I can't see me. I had Trey Wingo on Tuesday. Could you see me saying that on accident against with Trey no, Wingo? No, no, I cannot. That uh, didn't happen. Uh, All right, welcome. Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl Fifty Six. With people are tired of listening to us already. Uh, here's the good news and the bad news. The good news is you can't catch me. <laughs> no, more good, tie, right? I could uh, still tie, right? You could still you could still tie me. The the more good news, I can't finish below five hundred no matter what I pick this week. Shnucks. I almost put a Shnikes. almost made us pick the over under two, but I'm like, no, I don't want to go back to five hundred because I'm only two games above. So if I lost both, I would finish five hundred. Yeah, so don't, don't risk it with me because exactly. you know somehow I'll turn the tables on you. So don't do it. I am fifty five and fifty three. You are fifty four and fifty four against the spread for the season. That's not bad, really. It's not great, but it's not so bad I could, either. I could, yeah, but I could end. I could end at above fifty percent myself. You can end positive above five hundred, or you could end below five hundred. Wow, know. those are my only options. I can't those push. Those are your only options because <laughs> the line's a point five. It's not going to be a push. So. uh the line is, as of this morning, it went down at Caesar Sportsbook, the official odds partner of bet.nola.com. I can't say that enough, I guess. Um, <laughs> the uh, the line has moved down towards the Bengals. There are lots of drunk Joes and Aunt Mabels out there betting all their hard-earned cash on the pecan pies they sold this week. They're betting on the Bengals. 
The line has dropped four and a half uh, early in the week. It is now three and a half. The Rams are favored. You go first. All right. Let's I've let's already let's, typed uh, it in, by the way. Uh, well, I'm sure you have. Uh, but I have a handicap and a reason for it this week, though, because I've been thinking about it because I was totally just like all about Joe Burrow last week. And I didn't care. All right, home Caution to the wind. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, you know, the weird part is, you know, everybody's down there on Radio Row and, uh, you know, you're, you're hearing pretty much everybody almost unanimously pick pick the, the Rams for, for the win. And then I think back to the year before when Brady and Mahomes faced off against each other and everybody was picking Mahomes. Everybody was picking Mahomes. And who won that dirtbag Tom Brady? But here's here's the other here's the other thing. I hate that guy. So, um, the when I look at the Rams, I see a bunch of individuals. When I look at, at the Bengals, I see an actual team. Joe Burrow smoking that cigar, devil-may-care attitude. The kicker, who doesn't realize he's in the NFL, he's like, hey, coach, I'm ready to kick the ball again. Let's go win. I mean, like, they're so ignorantly happy, and I love it. But these guys play for Joe, even while the offensive line that's supposed to protect him gets him murdered on a weekly basis. And you look on the other side with with, with Arnold and, and Von Miller and all of them who are going to try to be killing Joe. But what has Joe been doing? Constantly running for his life, but making plays afterwards. Gets sacked nine times, still wins the game. He's always in trouble. And you've got a team of in, you've got a team on the Bengals side and a bunch of individuals, paychecks that were thrown together for this NFL run team. And that's it. And that's why the Rams are going to lose because they can't function as a team. They don't think like a team. And Joe Burrow has the Bengals acting, playing like winners and a team. I'm on the Bengals completely 100,000%. I'm done. End. Full stop. I thought you were going to say that the Bengals wear black and orange uniforms, (laughs) which is remind you of Halloween and which is going to scare the crap out of the Rams. I thought that was going to be your... Maybe so. Maybe maybe I don't know. I I don't know. I don't have a I don't have a witty reply for that. Because one. they are the uh, the NFL and its infinite wisdom has made the Rams the visitor visiting team in their home stadium. I get that it's an alternating thing. Don't scream at your phone. Don't send me emails. I I know why. It's still stupid. I mean the Rams are the are playing at home. They should be the home team. What what does it matter? They but when, when they had the freaking Forty ers there, it sure as hell wasn't a home back in the team. day. You, you wouldn't you you'd be shocked at back in the day before they had the internets and all mm-hmm. Vic and Natalie would call and yeah hey Hart uh, can you tell me who the home team is in the Super Bowl I mean we'd get like on a desk we'd get like I'm not kidding 50 calls Super Bowl week people wanted no to know so, so they could put so for their pool they could have the home team on the top I guess and the oh and the okay I get on the it side. like it really matters. <laughs> well, come on, we're, God, look, you're a gambler. We're, gamblers are listening to this podcast. They're very uh, strange creatures, I would know, because I'm very superstitious about yeah, I everything see. I do. So, you know, it is Well, it I is. mean, they would call, and we, my favorite answer was uh, a good friend of mine who uh, now lives in Arizona. Um, he, he, he would call, he'd get that phone call after about the third one. They'd say, hey, Hart, you know who's playing, who's the home team in the Super Bowl? And he'd say, Yes, I do. Thanks for calling. Click. <laughs> Is your refrigerator running? Get back. Catch it. <laughs> Catch it while you're on the way. Prince Alfred in hours. a can. Let him All of 16-pound balls? Yes, we do. All right. <laughs> anyway. So that, that's my reasoning, and I think it's a damn fine reason. So All right. Fight, well, fight I'm going to give you logic. Okay, here's logic. 
Uh, you talk about Von Miller and uh, Aaron Donald and company. They are going to make Joe Burrow <clears throat> uh, black and blue. <clears throat> They're going to, in fact, his 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 skin color is going to be the same color as the Rams and the Bengals uniforms combined. He's going to have a little black, a little blue all over his body. I love Joe Burrow as much as the next guy. I don't wish him any harm. I win either way. I've said this a thousand times. I like to say it again and again because I have futures on both teams. I, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of rooting for the Bengals in a weird way, but I don't see it. I think the Rams going to beat the snot out of them. I really do. I think it's going to be one of those. Remember that period of Super Bowls went through? They had like 12 in a row where they where everybody where the game just stunk and it was over by the second oh, quarter. Oh, God. Look, I had that thought last night driving home uh, that that – I thought about the Buffalo Bills four years in a row going to the Super Bowl. All four years, they just they lost. Just got, I mean, yeah. except yeah, well, just, the first one, they, it was close with the Giants. Scott Norwood right, right. missed the field goal. But, yeah, yeah, but the, I, the, the next one's against the Redskins and the two against the Cowboys. They because I really think the Bengals are a team that's up and coming. And they, they, they've got so much great stuff to build on. So if they do get their asses handed to them in this game, I got a sneaking suspicion that they'll, because it's the Bungles, they'll they'll build up that great Buffalo Bills sort of roster and then just make it to the big game and then just blow it, which would almost be, you know, uh, right up the Bengals' alley, you know, just like the poor Saints, you know, it's yeah, got to suck, you know. But <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be a lower-scoring game. I don't think there will be a ton of touchdowns, but I think the Rams win, I'm going to say, 23 to 12. Yeah, I, I that that sounds about right. I I I think there will be more kicks, you know, it'll maybe like a 13-21 sort of game, you know. But I do uh, th- I do think you're right about the kickers though. I go in I kick coach. He is, I mean, he's a he's a wonderful idiot and I love him. <laughs> I guess we're going to the NFC AFC Championship game. Right. Guess we're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, some cocky got- little dudes. I, yes. What? What? What is it with kickers? I guess because they hang Not out with all the, the kicker, football the players. Team. Well, I, I, it is. But you know, I, I, it's kickers in general, though. It's like you know, they're like, hey, you they, they're probably the jackholes that go into ballrooms and pick the fights, and then they're like, they're like, oh, they're you, the ones you that got get a problem with me. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt. He's stole my thunder, man. No uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't wait. I, I usually let you speak, but I'm like. Not here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, tell tell the the boys and girls for the last time until Easter. Uh, when uh, what what's going on with the week and geek? Oh my God, dude! All right. So like all day yesterday, I was stuck in a studio for like three hours. I had three freaking interviews yesterday. I got uh, on Friday we got the uh, WWE coming down for SmackDown at the Smoothie King Center. So I had Kofi Kingston, uh, you know WWE champ. He's you know with the New Day. Now, dude's got like uh, I don't even New know who day. <laughs> the new day. Gotcha. So Kofi Kingston is one of my guests. And I have Aiden Quinn. Remember him from like Practical Magic and Benny and June yeah, Desperately Seeking Susan? I do. I do. Uh, he's, he, he's doing another movie with Liam Neeson called Blacklight. And it's basically Taken Part 83. It's it's the same okay. thing. Somebody messes with Liam Neeson's family and then he has to Damn. kill them all. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, I, I guess it works. If it makes money in the box office, why why? Fast and Furious, eight hundred and twenty-three. Liam Neeson's family. 
they haven't learned. It's like <laughs> Harrison Ford. They keep kept messing with Harrison Ford, and they keep getting their ass kicked. I don't get it. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Aiden Quinn. He I interviewed him, and he's he did this cool uh, uh, movie called. Uh, it was a four part series called The American Guest. He played uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Look, I'm a his- history nerd from hell. Like I-, I love me some history, and it's like you don't see a whole lot of Teddy Roosevelt stuff. And Teddy Roosevelt. Like, look, man, he was one of the great American gods as a president. This guy was a, a feeble little asthmatic kid who he carried went out a big and, stick, though. He carried a big stick and a big set of chompers in his mouth. And, you know, he was a rough rider. Like, the dude went to war. I mean, dude, he's a great ass. He was from Ottawa? No, he wasn't from Ottawa. He's he had to be rider. an American. Oh, okay. No, oh, I hate your face again. <laughs> Shut your pie hole. Like, where's your daughter? Tell tell your daughter to, what's a pie hole, daddy? <laughs> you text me that, I fell up my damn chair. <laughs> she did. What's a pie hole? I'm like, hold on, let me call Uncle Dave. You can ask him. <laughs> so, uh, that that's uh, Aiden, uh, Aiden Gwynn. And then, uh, oh, oh, God, who else? That? <laughs> Something happened about pie hole. throw you hole off your game, then. <laughs> oh, God. I have a third guest that now I can't remember who the hell they were. Oh, no, Tommy Davidson. From uh, from oh, yeah, Tom, color. I know Tommy yeah. Davidson for sure. Dude, yeah. holy crap! Like I was talking to him. I'm, I'm, I'm like, because he used to do Ace and the Main Man uh-huh. with Jamie Foxx sure. on, and I'm like, well, I went back and watched some of them, and I'm, I'm like, Tommy, did did Jamie Foxx always break character? And he goes all the time, like like because every time you see Jamie Foxx just starting to laugh because Tommy Davis like, get 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 get. It's the stupidest <laughs> stuff. And Jimmy Fox will break down. So, yeah, I talked with Tommy Davidson. Right, back some old memories there. Yeah, man. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great show. So, I I won't even be listening to it, though, so I'm not offended because I'll be watching okay. the Super Bowl. That's why I pre-recorded it. But you can download the podcast wherever podcasts are freely given away because I would feel bad if I charged you. Uh, download the free iHeartRadio app. Click subscribe. Never miss a podcast. But Sunday nights at 7 o'clock on News Talk 99.5 WRNO. Yeah, you, if you charge, you'd get as many people who listen to this <laughs> podcast. So, I mean, uh, you, you don't want that. You might make Two cents. cents. That's a highway. That's highway robbery. <laughs> <laughs> Two cents. Piss on that. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been a fun season, uh, D squared. And I'm not kidding. We are going to do the USFL, even if we make a complete farce of it. Who cares? Uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I like they're already kind of starting to do that. You know, they're trying to do gimmicky things. And I saw Coach Fedora trying to draw the ba- Breakers Fedora. logo. And Coach Fedora? Like, is it really yeah. Coach Fedora? It is. Yeah. Are they going to wear fedoras? I don't know, but I was thinking about that because, like, our, our yeah, I'm sure he's never heard that. Well, they, they want to team up with iHeart, the USFL does, and uh-huh. so we're asking us to brainstorm stuff. And I was like, I don't know. We had the Joe Horn section. Maybe we'll have, like, the Fedora's hat section. I don't Can I, I mean, be the play-by-play guy? I'm, I'm sure. I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> who knows? That's a, well, there's no information on it. That's, that's kind of like we don't know what's going on, but – Going back to the break. The Larry logo. Fedora show live on <laughs> iHeartRadio. So it's like a wave and a bird. That's it. So it's like, like, like it. you know, we got, yeah, what? it's not the Florida Lee. I mean, it's like, how do you draw a wave and a bird? I can't, I can barely draw a stick figure, Jim. I can draw a God awful passable Florida Lee, but I ain't drawing no wave and a bird. That sounds you know? more like something we talk about on the pie hole podcast. The Pie Hole Podcast. <laughs> we ought to start it. You ready? <laughs> the Pie ready. Hole. Every Friday at 2 o'clock uh, in the afternoon, it's the Pie Hole Podcast. Uh, All right, Uncle Dave, we will uh, yeah. talk to you soon. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and I will be texting. 
All right. Who day? I mean, who day? Who day? Who day? All right. <laughs> Later, bro. All right. We went a little bit too long, but we had fun in this whole segment this year. I know some of you like skip over that part. <clears throat> I can tell. Just, just know I can tell. You know, but we have fun with that. That's what this show is about for the most part. I mean, there obviously there are shows that can't be fun. Um, but we we do the best we can. All right, let's get into Uncle Big Nick, and this is already going to be the longest show, I think, the longest attitude ever. Um, so if you made it through this whole thing, let me give you a golf clap. I mean, seriously, golf clap to you. Because uh, we've been a little wacky at different times. All right, Uncle Big Nick, again, this, this is great. If you want to bet some props, we not only give you each our three best, but we tell you why. And um, if it makes sense to you, go put a couple bucks on it. Have some fun with it. If it doesn't make sense to you, bet the other way or don't bet it at all or whatever. Um, You're not going to love everything we say here on the show, but you listen. And you got to listen to Uncle Big Nick one more time, at least uh, for this football season. We can make some picks because the San Francisco 49ers aren't playing this weekend. I mean, they had a few of them played last weekend, but they all made it home. None of them got arrested. So, I mean, do we really want to bring up 49ers Saints stuff right now? No, what you failed to mention was they haven't got arrested yet. Well, I mean, they didn't get arrested 18 minutes after the game. So, well, I mean, they should have. Pretty good. I mean, a Saint that got arrested should have probably should have got arrested before the game, why they let him play. Well, they couldn't game. find him. They couldn't. I mean, they were like, oh, look, there he is on TV. Okay. Right. That's where, that's where we got to find him. him. He's probably in the locker room. Vegas is a big city, man. You know, a lot of people. They don't call it Sin City for nothing. Exactly. Live it up to its name. I'll tell you what. Uh, what we're going to do is after this, uh, after this segment is over, I'll be giving out Uncle Big Nick's phone number and anyone who wants to text him, about uh, his feelings for people getting arrested and whatever. They're, they're free to text him. <laughs> they're free to text. I'm not free to reply. <laughs> oh, but you would. Oh, I would. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get, today, so I'll be pretty busy. We only have a few minutes today because um, we're trying not to make this show two hours. But um, we have some – we already picked the, the game with, with – Conductor Dave. And uh, so now what you and I want to focus on is things that I think that you and I both have better, more expertise in. I mean, the game is easy to pick. If you're an amateur, you're just going to pick one side or the other, you know, whatever. You like the Bengals, you like the Rams, whatever. But you and I dig way deeper into the numbers than just spread and total and whatever. There are some – there's money to be made out there on prop bets – and I think you and I both. The prop market is where you make money in the Super Bowl, I think. Like, I agree 100%. You just got to pick the right ones, and you got to be willing to pay the right price. But one thing I heard this morning is true. Um, you know, like you, or I, you and I are probably going to make – I mean, I've already I'm, – I'm pretty much done. I mean, I might make a couple more here and there, but I have 19 prop bets, okay? I'm going to give you th- – we're each going to give three that we like today. Which, what, how, many do you, how many prop bets have you made already? 18. 
Okay, so that'll probably be double by the time Sunday comes. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm gonna go much higher than that. I'll probably add a couple here and there. But uh, one word of advice that I heard that is great: the podcast, a podcast that you and I both listen to very well, or, uh, a lot every week. RJ's uh, Dream Preview. Uh, you can find that on any major platform. It's it's a fantastic listen, and it's helped me over the past couple of years, even when I don't agree with them, which is quite often, actually. It helps teach me how to bet and how to think when you're betting. And so I think that um, that a podcast like that, and it doesn't have to be that one, but you can find some pros that are really good at what they do and maybe not necessarily for the advice of whatever particular game you're looking for, but just how to think. And it may not change your thinking on who you're going to pick, but it'll change how you think and how you bet. And one thing I heard this morning that I was listening to that I, that I, is, is absolutely true. And I'm going through my props. I'm kind of guilty of it, so I'm going to have to probably diversify my prop bets a little bit. But, like, obviously I like the Rams. I mean, I, I think the Rams, I don't think, I really don't think it's going to be that, all that close, to be honest. But... You have to be careful when you're making these prop bets because you can't, if you make 19 prop bets, you can't make them all one-sided because if you're wrong, you end up losing like so much more because if you go like, you know, if I have 19 bets and I go like four and 15, I'm going to get my ass smacked on Sunday. And so you have to diversify your portfolio, I guess you would say. And you have to make some, you have to look for some prop bets that you like that don't, that might necessarily go against bucking your trend you know what i mean yeah i mean but i mean you gotta with prop bet you gotta kind of you almost gotta play the game in your head first right. like this is how i think the game's gonna go and i don't think you should be mentioning rj and them i mean they're a lot better than us people go go listen well, to them and just stop us. and stop listening to us i mean we don't want that well i think i mean i don't think iris mars is gonna stop listening just because rj is a better prognosticator oh, she has no idea who rj is well exactly so i think it's iris moss and like two other people we know that are listening anyway by now so yeah i do so we're good <laughs> <laughs> all right let's, let's get into it we're gonna give our you know obviously we have 19 we're not and you have 18 we're not gonna go over all of them i asked you to pick your three favorite prop bets and we're gonna go one by one we're gonna go in order that we like them so opposite what we usually do Give me your favorite first, and I'm going to give you my favorite first. Over three and a half field goals for the game is my favorite. Both these kickers have only missed six combined all year. And I I think you can hit this in the first half. I don't think there's going to be a lot of scoring in the game. I like the under. These defenses kind of ramp up once you get inside the red zone. Yeah. So you got nerves in the first half. You're going to have, I, I just think they're going to, I can see four field goals being kicked in the first half, two by each team. Where, what is the, the spread on that, and where did you get it? Win bet. It's plus 135. Okay. And it's funny you say win bet, although, you know, I know Caesars doesn't like it when I promote other casinos, but I actually got a thing from win bet this morning. That's W-Y-N-N bet. I couldn't um, find it on Caesars. Okay. So if you make a $10 deposit and place a $10 first-time straight bet or parlay wager, they will receive $200 in free bets. Okay, so you go in a win bet, and, and look, I've said this before. You need to like you need to diversify your portfolio with your different bets. You should also diversify how many apps you have. I think you should have at least three. Okay, if you like find the best number. Yeah, I mean exactly. So 
if you let's say you like the Rams this weekend, all right, it doesn't matter who you like, but let's just say you like the Rams and they're four and a half on uh, FanDuel and WinBet and they're four on minus four on Caesars. Well, obviously, you want to make the bet on Caesars. So you shop around just like you would shop around for anything. So that's why it's good to have more than one in uh, WinBet. Uh, again, they have a promotion, right? Uh, almost everyone has some sort of promotion if you haven't downloaded these things and you get free bets. But down, uh, win, win bets promotion is $10 deposit, plays a $10 first time, straight better parlay wager, and you'll get $200 in free. And bets. I think they just, I mean, they just got approved to you Wednesday, I think. So. Right. So that's why they're they're going out there. Also, and remember, Caesars, uh, you can go through bet.nola.com. I believe it is you make a $20 bet and you get a $300 in uh in bets on bet.nola.com the the promo is on there we'll have more about that on Bayou bets and go back and look at that we recorded that yesterday okay um that being said all my bets uh that I'm going to mention today were made on Caesars not all my bets were made on Caesars but all my bets that I'm going to mention here today but the rest of mine are Caesars or was made on Caesars. that makes them happy yeah, well, we hope we try to make them happy because they're the official lines maker uh, provider for bet.nola.com. I guess. And they think of my emperor. I mean, that's what they tell me. So I like exactly. That. Every time you open it up, they tell you you're an emperor. All right, my number one bet, uh, prop bet of the weekend is combined total sacks over five. I got it at minus one forty, which means you need to lay hundred and forty dollars to win a hundred. And I'm going to tell you that. I think the Rams could get five sacks by themselves. Hence, I also like Rams over three sacks, but I like combined total sacks more because of this reason. I think that one of these teams is going to have a great defensive performance. I would be very surprised if this is like a 31-27 type of game. Okay. As good as these quarterbacks are. I would be shocked if it's that high. I would be super shocked. So the defenses are going to have themselves a great game. Um, and if the Rams only get two sacks and the Bengals get three, at least you push there. Okay. So, or if the Rams get three and you push on the Rams over three, I think the Bengals are good for at least two. They have a good pass rush as well. We've seen Stafford be prone to, to take sacks here and there. We don't know how healthy Andrew Whitworth is. Um, although he's going to play in this game. How healthy? Yes. He's 40. I mean, he's not healthy. You're over 40. I know. I'm speaking from experience. Okay. So there you go. But uh, so anyway, I, I think that is my bet of the game. Um, that's my number one bet. Combined sacks over five. I think they're going to be six, seven, maybe even eight sacks. We saw Joe Burrow get sacked nine times by Tennessee. I think the Rams have a better defensive front. And the Bengals O-line is just god awful. And uh we saw Burrow. I think this this number is way low. I think, like, I think it should be higher. It definitely should be. I'm, I'm surprised it wasn't six. So because I mean, yeah, Burrow only got sacked once by Kansas City, but we everybody's forgetting that you know what happened in Tennessee. I think, and he had some magician like moves getting out of getting yeah, out of trouble it, in KC. And I don't think he's going to be trying that, which is going to lead to another prop at at another point, maybe in the show. Um, all right, what's your number two prop? First half for the game under 23 and a half, minus 110. I love, I bet every Super Bowl under first half because you got nerves, you got, they come, no matter who the team is, the Patriots have been there how many times? They, 
they hardly ever score touchdowns in the first half. Right. No matter how you how you you are to the spotlight and everything, I just everybody comes out flat in the first half. So I really like this. I can't believe it's that high. I thought it'd be around twenty. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you go by the line, it's forty-eight and a half. So they're gonna right. They don't always cut it in half. They get they give a little bit more to the second half. So I agree with you. And uh, if anyone who read my NFL picks column this morning, Super Bowl picks, you can find it on bet.nola.com. Actually, yesterday morning, but you can still find it on bet.nola.com. Um, you'll see that this isn't one of my top three, but I do like. I have more points scored in the second half, and that's at minus one forty-five. I think it's something along the lines of. 15 out of the last 20 Super Bowls, there have been more points scored in the second half. And I yeah, think, it's a 75% hit. Yeah, and, and I think it's the same kind of thing this week because you look at um, these are two teams that I think are going to be kind of feeling each other out early on. So I could see I could see a 0-0 first quarter. I mean, really has good. been a second-half team the whole year. For sure. Like, you know I mean? Without a doubt. Um, so I probably like that a little bit more than I like the first half under, but I do like the first half under as well. So, um Either one of those, whatever, whatever one you like. I think both of those are good. Um, I like that as well. My second prop bet is a player prop. Um, I think the Rams, I think both teams are going to try to do this, but the Rams especially, I think they're going to try to establish the run as best they can. Uh, Cam Akers has not had a great playoff um, experience here. We saw him fumble twice in Tampa and leave the Buccaneers into the game, <clears throat> excuse me, late in the game. Um, he didn't do a whole lot last week because San Francisco has a great Russian defense. This week, he's going against, by far, the worst run defense he will play in the playoffs. And the and I love Cam Akers over 63 and a half rushing yards. Um, it was 58, 59 at some places earlier in the week. I can't find that anywhere now. Best I can find is that season 63 and a half. If you can find it better somewhere else, go for it. But I got it at minus 135. I mean, Cam Akers, by the way, this is definitely not one of my top three, but he's my top sleeper for MVP, which you can get at 30 to one right now. So um, Cam Akers over 63 and a half rushing yards. I have that written down. So I'm going to change my third prop to something else that I have written down. So I do like this. I mean, in the playoffs, he's played Tampa Bay and San Fran. Exactly. Two of the best running defenses in the league. Yeah. And now he's got Cincy and McVay has shown that he sticks with this guy no matter what. Right. So he, he's like a one running back type of guy. Yes. Only puts him in only puts Michelle in for breaks. So And it does make me a little nervous that it makes me a little nervous Daryl Henderson's supposed to come back. So he will probably steal a few carries. But if you look at what he needs to get, I mean you gotta figure he's gonna average four yards a carry, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. fairly reasonable. So if you average and if four this yards game carry, goes like I think it's going to go, the Rams are going to be ahead and yeah. they're going to be running the ball more. And so if he gets 16 carries, he hits the number. So I, yeah. I think 16 carries is is an easy is an easy thing for him to do. So that is my second player, my second prop bet player prop. Cam Akers over 63 and a half rushing yards. Got it at minus 135 at Caesars. Um, we'll see what it ends up. Again, another thing we didn't mention: if you like any overs, you probably ought to play them. Now, now, because overs don't go down, overs go up. So, all right, what is your third and final prop of the day? I like OBJ to score a touchdown and the Rams to win parlay plus 180. 
I love getting plus money on parlays. I mean, you've known this. Yeah. So I just think if the Rams win this game, I really think OBJ scoring a touchdown. I mean, if he does it, his daddy's going to go nuts in the soup and the tweets after because he didn't score in the Super Bowl. So <laughs> I could see Stafford throwing the ball to him just to get him a touchdown, you know? And I, like I think that. Eli Apple's going to be on him. Everybody in New Orleans loves him. So oh, yeah. I really think he, he's going to be on. I think he can get a score on Apple. That'll be the only matchup Saints fans are rooting for Rams against Bengals. OBJ against Eli Apple. Uh, that'll be interesting. Without a doubt. I, I like that bet as well. I do think OBJ is going to score. I think that obviously there's going to be a, a ton of focus on Cooper Cup. The only thing that scares me is I just don't think there are going to be a lot of touchdowns, period, in this game. So I'm thinking, I mean, like, I think there might only be like three touchdowns, period, in this game. I mean, that's how low uh, scoring game it's. Gonna, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 23 to nine 23 to 10 somewhere along those lines that's the that's the score i have and i just don't think there's gonna be a lot of touchdowns so if you're talking about a game and you talk about playing scenarios out in your head and playing the game out in your head the only thing that scares me about that but i like the plus 180 um is that i don't know how many opportunities they're going to be to score so that's that would honestly i honestly like the other one i like is obj to score the first touchdown and Rams to win also. Like I don't plus, know the odds on that. I don't have it written like down. Plus 500, probably. Yeah. I, I, I hit that last year in the Super Bowl with Gronkowski. So, I really think, I mean, get the touchdown out of the way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and one word of advice before I get my last, uh, well, not one word, because we've already get plenty of words, but <clears throat> scroll through all the different props. Don't just say, yeah, I like that click. I like that click. You need to go through and look at them all first before you bet anything. Uh, yeah, it's oh, not Amazon you, shopping. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you gotta, you'll find you yourself by, betting like 50 of them if you just click, oh, I got to bet that. I got to bet that. Go through, write them down, because you'll find that you write down, you might write down 30 or 40 of them. Take an hour. I mean, really, take an hour of them and go through them and see which ones you like. Write them down and then put them in order and say, this is what I have, how much I have this, to bet on prop bets. And then, you know, then pick and choose according to how much you have to spend. All right, my last one uh, is, it, it, you know, it, it kind of goes with the theme. Uh, and, again, I, I, you want to be diversified, but I'm, I'm obviously not diversified very much with my top three here. But I like Rams more net yards, minus 160. The stat that jumped out at me is the Rams have outgained their opponents in the playoffs all three games. The Bengals have been outgained in all three of their games. So it seems logical, and, and the fact that, it hasn't really been close for the Rams. I mean, they've outgained their opponents by a combined 371 yards in in these playoff games. And I'm not throwing a dart at you, Nick, but, I mean, you, you talk about a 49ers game where a lot of people think the 49ers should have won and that they dominated the game or whatever. You look at the stats, it really wasn't. I mean, really, the, the Rams shouldn't have been in the position they were in. They won by 114 yards. Yeah, I mean, San Francisco got totally out physical in the second half, which I hardly ever see, especially against the Rams. So I, I like this bet, too. I mean, I know everybody loves Burrow. Know everybody's cheering for Cincy. Yeah. They've been very, very lucky to be in this position throughout the whole playoffs. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And, I mean, I you mean, could see it through, you know, purple and gold-colored glasses if you want. 
but they have certainly been low. I mean, you think about it. Go back to the Vegas game. I remember yeah, standing there. Uh, I remember standing there watching, and Vegas is driving. Cincinnati couldn't stop them, and I'm thinking, this game's over. And if Derek Carr doesn't spike the ball and basically force it to go down to one play on a fourth down, the Raiders win that game. It was poor coaching. That the, the only reason why the Raiders didn't win that game. And that's why, I mean, they had a ball go off of somebody's helmet. That's the only right. reason why they didn't score a touchdown and a tie in the Raiders game. Tannehill threw an interception on his first pass. And his last pass. First pass after the second half and his last pass. Yeah. And Mahomes, I don't know. They got to check in for a concussion. I don't know what happened to him. In the I don't half. know what the hell happened there. But yeah, it's just a lot of things went their way. I mean, a lot of things go their way. It might be their year. It could be. But a lot of stuff has been going their way. No, and if you look at the Saints, uh, the Saints Super Bowl championship season, I mean, now clearly they won the first game easily against the Cardinals and should have won. But you go to the, the NFC Championship game, Brett Favre pulls a Brett Favre, oh, or they don't win yeah, that game. the most overrated quarterback in the history of quarterbacks. Uh, I don't agree with that, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, but anyway, he pulls a Brett Favre, um, or the Saints don't go to that championship game. They also got a little help here and there from from gods. And then Peyton Manning just pulls in, a in Peyton ex- Manning in the inexplicably throws some crazy pass that Tracy Porter you know, picks off and goes bye-bye and then ambush. There's not, there's not a coincidence. And that's why it was the, the two quarterbacks. I like the least. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no figure, no, go figure. Like you said, that's a whole different podcast. That is definitely a whole different podcast. But anyway, I just think that uh, even, I mean, the Rams more net yards, that might be a better bet than actually betting the money line. And it's only minus 160. So, I mean, I like the money line in this game, but last thing I'll throw out there, I got, I did get a little special prop bet at uh, BetMGM. Um, got a teaser of sorts, and it was, it was even money. Rams plus seven and a half and under 50.5. So. That's nice. Yeah. So that, that was probably my, that was my line play of the game, a semi-teaser. So. What's, anyway, you, what's the, the over under? Do they have an over under of kids when their parents are watching the halftime show that are over forty? Kids going, "Mom, what are you doing?" <laughs> uh, I don't know if they have that, but uh, <laughs> they probably have everything else. Yeah, because you know, the over forty year old moms with Dre and Snoop and all them—they're going to be. <laughs> They're going to be living like they're 20. And well, when they get to halftime, that'll be the time that I'm doing everything else that Aunt Mabel and Drunk Joe are doing. I'll be in the kitchen looking for nachos. So. I'll be looking at apps for second half bets. But... Oh, that too. But you got plenty of time. I think you got like 40 minutes or something stupid. Yeah. All right, Uncle Big Nick. We will be in touch, I'm sure, uh, during the game. And uh, maybe we'll uh, talk next week before I go on hiatus. Yeah, we could recap next week. All right. Talk to you later. Good luck. All right, bud. You too. A celebrity in his own mind. Uncle Big Nick. Getting famous, boys and girls. Jump on those Uncle Big Nick picks before they start costing us money. Or not. Whatever. (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap up the show because we have already set the record for the longest datitude ever. 
Uh, I think anyway. We're, we're right up there if it isn't. Um, I want to thank all my guests, Mike Dettelier, D-Square, the Choo Choo Train, and Uncle Big Nick. It has been fun. It has been a fun football season. The next time I talk to you, it will be all over. So enjoy the Super Bowl. And uh, just, just remember, we talk about betting responsibly. But don't bet because it's fun. You know, we want to bet overs and because it's fun to bet overs. We want to take the Bengals money line because we want to root for the Bengals and they have a great price. Do things that are smart. And if you're doing things just for fun and but you want to root for someone, that's why you're betting on them, then, then make sure it's a small bet and it's not going to cost you anything. Because like Huey Lewis says, it's hip to be square. And it's hip to be square because sometimes it's fun to be square, but there are sharps and there are squares. The squares are people like you and me who sometimes say, I don't know how that bet can possibly lose. While the sharps say, oh, please, keep betting on that. Please keep driving the numbers in my direction. So it is most definitely hip to be square if you're having fun with it. And have fun with the Super Bowl. We will talk to you on Tuesday. Remember, hug the ones you love and the ones you don't. Oh, I don't know. It's a Super Bowl. I guess you got to let them in and feed them nachos. We'll see you Tuesday. Peace and love, my friends. I